0: A pop, yourself a beer, or a cold libation Let me tell you how I wrote this little theme I went and took a call from Brother Jason And he tells me that he has a little dream He says
1: he needs a backwards intro to begin his podcast And I ask him, what you got? He said, I'll start with some
2: talking And some movie clips some popcorn, fighting fantasy explorations And some groundless exploitation Kickstarts that I'm watching And some blind
1: unboxings Full month horror movie marathon Sometimes I'll let the box come on contest and of course You know it's all about games I said, slow down, let's just start with the
3: name It's the
1: Nerds
2: RPG.
3: Variety, podcast.
1: With the other Jason Hey everybody, welcome back to Nerds RPG Variety Cast. I'm your host Jason. This week we're going to introduce the brand new Cody's RPG Reading Room segment. I'm going to talk about games that I've been in, and I have a bunch of calls. So, let's get on with the show. Okay, now I have a new Wednesday segment that I plan to do every week. This is at the request of Cody M of the all-too-infrequent No Save-For-You podcast. And he asked for more readings from RPGs. So, I'm going to read you passages from RPGs that I think are forgotten or not well-loved. So, today, I'm going to read you the intro segment Just a couple paragraphs here from an interesting RPG that came out back in, let's see, 1995. It's part of the Masterbook system, and I think the name of the RPG will come evident here at the end of the first paragraph. So let me launch right into the reading. So you shelled out your hard-earned water credits and bought this game, eh? And now it's the morning after, and you're wondering what you shagged last night, and just what the bloody hell is the world of Tank Girl anyway? That's easy, mate. This is an absolutely ace role-playing game based on Tank Girl, the movie from NGM, and a comic that's better than rooting a ripper. Don't understand what I'm talking about? Keep reading, Cobber. See, just around the corner from today, this big old comma is going to hit the earth. Next thing you know, civilization is completely bollocked up. Trashed, gone, buried under a pile of sand. From the Atlantic Desert to the Pacific Desert, it's just wasteland as far as you can see. Out of this chaos emerges desert bandits, bikers, mutants, and worst of all, the big business corporation and their subsidiary, water and power. Get in their way and get dead. Led by a bumhole named Kelsey, they take or Kesley, man, I screwed that up. They take what they want and anybody that stands up to them winds up stuffed in a water pipe. That is, until Tank Girl shows up. About time you got to me, TG. Anyway, this game shows you how to adventure in the world of Tank Girl, Jet Girl, Sub Girl, The Rippers, and all those other post-Holocaust types. Fight alongside mutant kangaroos, Dingo Ninja, and get your hands on the dreaded, high-powered, fully automatic, skin-reversing rifle. And that's not even the good stuff. And then it goes on to talk about what you'll find in the book. Which includes an introduction, the world of 2029, Tank Girl and Friends, character creation, combat, vehicle combat, gear, the Lost Convenience Store, and templates. So, if you don't own a copy of the world of Tank Girl, you're missing out. Games that I've played. Astonishing Swordsmen and Sorcerers of Hyboria. Or, for those mush-mouthed individuals like me, Ash. So I occasionally get to play in Carl Rodriguez's Ash game, which happens every other Tuesday. I got to join the session this past week, which is wonderful. It was a really short session, mainly because I had to get up early next morning. So I apologize to the other players for that. They they were already in the middle of an adventure when it, the last game, or last session, ended. So we picked up mid-adventure. We picked up in the middle of a tomb that they were a tomb outside of town that they were in the process of sacking. So, my character in that game is a monk whose name is Fing Fang Foom. I don't know if you're familiar with Finn, but if you are, you, you'll recognize that name. And he, one of his weapons is basically the glaive from Crawl. That Ash has the glaive statted out and you can play with it. It's not all that great to be honest. It doesn't return like in the movie, but you know it's pretty thematic so it's fun we we didn't do a whole lot to be honest the only monster we fought in the tombs was a gray ooze and the gray ooze died very quickly we d- had a round of missile fire before it reached us and we had three hits and three maximum damages and did like 22 points of damage and killed it straight away now, because of its properties, the weapons are destroyed, so the glaive melted away, which was kind of a shame. And then on the way back, we encountered, a, like a, a little settlement, which was full where a bunch of slaves lived near a mud lake. Um, and you know, this being a sword and sorcery setting, you know, uh, obviously they have slavery and all those kind of horrible things. But this was a settlement where a bunch of those folks lived, and we stopped by there and we gave them some money and we to try to get some information, kind of getting good with them because we figured maybe this, if needed, this would be somewhere the party could go hide or or you know fall back on in the future. And we found out that they were having problems with a creature nearby, so we accepted the offer to help them, and it turned out to be this giant crocodile, like a twenty-foot-long crocodile. And we fought and killed the crocodile, which was much harder to kill than Grey Us. Mainly because it had a really low AC and we were rolling really horribly. But we did manage to kill it. And it was great fun. Carl's games are always fun. So, And unfortunately we only played for like an hour and a half, so that's really about all that happened. But I, I do highly recommend if you ever get to play in Carl's games to, to do so. <laughs> Whoops, one correction. Ashes played on Wednesday night, not Tuesday night. My days are all running together. O.S.E. Wilderlands. So Shandy Andy, every other Thursday, puts on, or actually I think every Thursday, puts on a O.S.E. Wilderlands game that I was able to finally join. I've been wanting to join it for months and just never came together, but I was able to do so this past week. And it was a great game, a large group of guys that all seemed to play together often, seemed to know each other, a really good spirit, really good come up camaraderie amongst the group and they made me feel right at home which was wonderful even though I had that funny american accent so in that game i am playing a barbarian named den uh, anybody get the reference den probably and we he we, we just because again not to tie up too much time since we already an established party we kind of quickly had den meet the party at a tavern and fall in with them and they were, the party had already was already in the process of going to deliver a, an owl, a mechanical owl, to the princess. And we found out that some strange goings-on were occurring. Apparently, some dwarves in nearby mountains in the princess's kingdom had given her this giant ruby. I, I don't know if it was giant or not, but they gave her this ruby. And some character flying on a white dragon came out of the mountains and lay attacked to the castle and so we're kind of following up on that after after the fact and seeing what we can salvage and what we can do to help so we had traveled made it to the castle made it in the castle fought with a room of skeletons defeated them and and that's how far we got in that session but like I say it was a great group of guys OSEs you know old hat, you know, it's basically just BX, um, so it's, it's nothing wrong with the system at all, and obviously, since I said I'm playing a barbarian, you know, Shandy Andy's using the advanced fantasy genre rules, the advanced classes, and all that kind of thing. So, I look forward to playing that again in the future, and yeah, I guess that's all there is to say about that, other than, again, it's very nice to, to find a a big group of gamers, it's very welcoming and, you know, very willing to let somebody else join in. Last game I want to talk about that I played in was on Monday, the 20th of July, which was a birthday game for Carl Rodriguez, and he ran al Kadim for us, which is the Arabian Nights kind of inspired setting for Dungeons & Dragons. We played 2E. The second time I've been able to play a second edition game, and still enjoying it. I I don't know if I like it as much as first edition, but I do like second edition it has a lot of neat things in there. Um, this we we didn't get really far. We're the crew of a ship, and we were at, at the city, and the Sultan has his big bash, and the Sultan every year sends sends the ships out to do a quest, and whoever brings them back. Coolest magic item is rewarded, award, so we decided to join into this. Um, Carl managed to invoke all kinds of neat things from the shady bazaar to we 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 got to face face down another ship crew in a tavern. Well, not a tavern, I guess, but whatever drinking establishment would be called in the Middle East, and then we, um. Ended up getting ambushed in the street and had a street fight, which was pretty fun. So we're going to hopefully pick that up and finish this little mini campaign out, which would be great. My character is a gnome corsair, so he's a like a swashbuckling swordsman, has two short swords. We also have uh, Mameluke in the party, we have a elf fighter sorcerer type, and we have, I believe, a... Rounding. I'm pronouncing that wrong. Romeo, Alpha, Whiskey, Uniform, November, which is kind of like a bard. Um, I, I believe the she's playing a bard. But all in all, the characters are very interesting. The other players are doing a great job inhabiting their characters. I'm kind of dragging the party down. I need to do better to pull my weight. But it was great. Carl does a great job invoking the setting and making you feel like you're in the middle of you know, an Aladdin cartoon or in the middle of a you know, Sinbad movie and or Eric who's playing the elf is doing a good job with his accent. So it's it's all good. It's it's a very enjoyable game so far. The what I like about Alcadim is it it changes the you're using second edition rules, but it brings in, you know, specific spells, specific magic items kits which are you know overlays to the classes to make it feel more thematic and and just the world feels really thematic and it does you know it feels like I, I won't say it feels like Arabia but it feels like that Arabia you've seen in movies and you know heard in fairy tales and, and seen you know Disney cartoons or whatnot. you know it it feels like that which is pretty neat um, so you know, I'm definitely enjoying that As far as games I'm running, the only thing I managed to do this week is get the initial boot hill play-by-post off the ground. We have the map up. We have the pre-gen I was going to make for Rob from Down the Heap is up. Um, I feel bad for Rob because I rolled really poorly for both gun and throwing accuracy. Um, So he had to go visit the Swede and get himself a a sawed-off shotgun. Um, Of course, you know what movie that's referencing, right? Anyhow... I've got the map up, got the initial up. Initially, we we're just doing a, a quick shootout. So I'm waiting for everybody to say where the characters are on the map. And then once they're placed, I'll give them the little spiel that kicks off the the initial shootout. And then once we've gone through that and we've got, we're comfortable with, with how the gunfights are going to work and play by post, we'll launch into the game proper. So more on that later. And I think that's it for games for this week.
0: Who's on the phone, who's on the phone, who's on the phone, who's on the phone, well maybe it's your auntie or a joke by your spouse but the operator's screaming is coming from inside
4: the house. Hey Jason, Spencer here, I just wanted to say I really loved the last episode, really interested in that Victorian sci-fi stuff if you could put together a list of uh, recommended movies in that genre, and also um, stories, authors. Uh, uh, this is where my lack of discipline in reading uh, lets me down. I end up with these big blind spots. I've read The Willows by um, Algernon Blackwood, but I don't know anything about Hodge's work, and it sounds as if, um, yeah, that would be right up my alley um certainly plenty of uh, stuff there that i would want to bring into electric bastion land when i get round to running it uh, i really would like to give it that kind of victorian sci-fi feel so thanks very much more of that please i think i said hodges there i mean hodgson and i also used the term victorian sci-fi where i meant Victorian science may not be a huge discrepancy there but I think they do imply slightly different things anyway um, yeah great stuff cheers take care
1: hey Spencer thank you so much for the call if you don't know that's Spencer also known as Free Thrall from Keep Off the Borderlands podcast go check it out and just so you know your calls are not unheard I am collaborating Yes, collaborating on a project to to fulfill all of your Victorian weird science desires. So stay tuned for that in the future.
4: G'day, Jason. Glenn from Perth. Uh, just uh, calling in to say I really enjoyed the format of that last episode, and I'd be more than happy to hear more uh, along the same lines. So way to go, mate. It's a, it's a winner.
1: Cheers. Hey Glenn, thank you so much for that call. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I, I'm very happy with the way that episode fell out and actually turned out. Of course, we're talking about the Role master Retrospective episode. I, I'm not real happy with my part in it. I should have recorded the names of everybody a little bit better. That sounds horrible to my ear, and my intro is a little bit clunky. But I'm really happy with all the input from the participants. They all did a wonderful job. Like I said, I'd really have preferred a roundtable discussion. But I think this was an acceptable substitute. And and I do look forward to maybe trying to do something like this again for a different game or a different topic. So, yeah, I'll keep that in mind. Thank you so much for the feedback.
2: Listen to the Rollmaster retrospective episode. And while I was listening to it, especially when their panelists were telling how good it was, I was looking on Rollmaster or on eBay and Amazon and trying to figure out what to get. I have no idea where to start. Um, maybe that could be a good response to this question. If I want to get MERPS again or Rollmaster, where do we start? I mean, I had MERPS. I know I had the second edition MERPS because I looked at the cover and somehow, what was the second edition? It was a 1997 version. Maybe I still have it. I don't know. I have to look. Because um, I remember the map, the big map. I have some supplements that I've collected over the years, especially the Moria. I think the Moria I got actually brand new, and I've had it, well, maybe not, well, maybe sort of brand new-ish. Anyway, where do we start? What do we get first?
1: That was Carl Rodriguez asking about Rollmaster, and to be honest, Carl, I haven't played harp, and I, so I haven't really played all the iterations are currently available from Iron Crown Enterprises, so I thought I'd Call in the big guns, I'd call in somebody that give you some real advice. So I'd give you Che Webster.
5: Hey Carl, it's Che from Roleplay Rescue. Um, heard your call in to Variety Cast asking where do I start with Rollmaster? I'd suggest hitting IronCrown.com and from there you can have a look at a lovely page which compares the various editions of Rollmaster and also HARP. If I were you, I would uh, click the link through to Drive RPG. If you want Rollmaster, which is the slightly crunchier game, you can get Rollmaster Classic. Okay, there are three books you'll have to get, but they're all available on Drive Rollmaster Classic, Character Law is your starting point. There's also Spell Law and Arms and Arms Law, I think it's called. And then, if you're interested in Harp, then it's just a single book. the Harp High Adventure Roleplaying, also on Drive RPG. I would suggest that's a great starting point because it's a little bit more streamlined as a game. Um, but hey, it's all depending on what you want. Um, but if that's, uh, I hope that's a help and wish you well. Game on.
1: Of course, everybody, that was Che Webster, Roleplay Rescue Podcast. Highly recommend you go check his podcast out. He's doing great things over there. And I'm very thankful that he was willing to phone in and answer for Carl and help me out on this. Hey
3: Jason, this is Ray again. Just wanted to follow up a little bit on your episode about Rollmaster. I have never played that game. I was always curious about it. I'd see those Middle Earth books sitting on the shelf, and they always fascinated me because I love Middle Earth. And uh, I thought that episode was pure gold, even as somebody from an outsider who just knew nothing about it other than it had been made fun of for being so complex. So it was great to hear the range of perspectives. I sort of left figuring it probably was less compl- more complicated than Che was representing it, but less complicated than uh, some of the others were representing it. So it was good to hear the differences. And I know it was a lot of work. So thank you for putting that together.
1: Hey, Ray, thank you so much for the kind words. Of course, everybody, that's Ray Otis of Plundergrounds. You should be listening to his podcast. And I'm so glad that that Role Master episode worked for you, even though you'd never played Rollmaster or Merp. That was kind of the intention. Although, the, you know, the credit all goes to my guests. All I did was put it together. They they provided all the, the heart string pulling and whatnot. And, and that was kind of what I was going for, to be honest, the nostalgia and kind of waxing poetic about a game they loved, and they all pulled it, pulled it through and gave us some great comments. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really glad you enjoyed it.
3: Yo, dude, that was a great interview with Carl, man. I really loved hearing you two talk about those old Merp setting books. I remember uh, my buddy who always ran the Merp games and the Master games, he had a bunch of those, and just I remember just flipping through those for hours when we were hanging out between games or even during games like I loved those books man and it was it was really fantastic here and the two of you talk about it I am a big supporter of the Jason and Carl show I'm all about it I think you guys are great uh and yeah Carl good on you for you know running a 501c3 man I that's what I went to school for I have a degree in like nonprofit management and that's the field of work I'm looking to get into buddy So anyway, what the fuck happened? Yeah, dude, so you can just cut off that last bit there, man. Something happened with my phone, and I thought it had stopped recording, but apparently not, and I didn't feel like re-recording that message, man. So anyway, sorry about the swears. Hope you're having a good one, dude. Take it easy.
1: Hey, Joe, no worries about that screw-up. Happens to everybody. Um Thank you so much for the kind words. I'm glad we were able to pull in those heartstrings a little bit there. And, yeah, I really enjoy having Carl on the show. He, you know, having any kind of guest on the show and, and that back and forth really adds something, I think, over a just standard episode. So, everybody, if for some odd reason you don't recognize the voice, that caller was Joe Richter of Hindsightless Podcast. He was one of the contributors of the Role Master episode, and his podcast is well worth checking out. Oh, wait a minute. Joe has a little more to say on my episode on henchmen hirelings, animal companions, and familiars. Let's hear his take.
3: Yo, what up, Jason? So in the mainstream game that I play the most, which is Pathfinder, uh, they don't have henchmen in the mainstream games like 5e and Pathfinder. They save henchmen for those oddball indie games like OSE and stuff. But the way I run familiars is, is that I do all the social interactions and I have the player make all the roles. Um, And that works pretty well, mostly because the players almost always forget that they have a familiar, which that's fine, because I don't think it's a dungeon master's job to remind players of their characters' features or anything like that. So, yeah, that's the way I do it. I forget which number that was of your list of three and a half. (laughs) But, yeah, as far as the whole cats versus dog things, I get it, dude. I only love codependent, submissive, you know things that only love me because I feed them. Anyway, dude, peace out.
1: Wow, Joe. Passive aggressive much? Show us on the doll where this mean dog touched you. Actually, you, you know, there's a character in Salem's Lot that agrees with you. Straker, who is kind of the familiar for the vampire in Salem's Lot, he has a quote there where he says, here, I'll, I'll just read the, pa- the passage. Dogs the stranger said and gestured with contempt. Low animals that cringe and howl at the sound of a strange step, fit only to whine and grovel. Gut them all, I say. Gut them all. So there you go. But even after I recorded that, in support of Joe, well, I don't really support Joe's position, but, you know, to show him that I'm trying to be even handed, Joe calls in with some more malarkey. So let's hear what else Joe has to say.
3: Dude, this is totally your fault, but here you go, man. Uh, So, yeah, cats in the Bible. They are in 2 Corinthians a few times. They are in Deuteronomy, uh, Ecclesiastes, Exodus. They are mentioned in Ezekiel uh, a couple times in Genesis. They are mentioned in the book of Hebrew. They're mentioned a ton of times in the book of Isaiah. They're mentioned in the book of Jeremiah. They're mentioned in the book of John. Judges, uh, the books of uh, Leviticus, a few times in Leviticus. They are mentioned in Luke, in Matthew, in Micah, in Proverbs a few times, in Psalms, uh, in Romans, and in the book of Titus. So here you go, dude. (laughs) All right. All right,
1: Joe. Actually, let me be totally honest. I appreciate Joe's calls and input in his interaction with the show. It makes a a better show, so thank you for that. But I do wonder, are those all references to the cats, or are they actual references to lions and leopards and things like that? But I don't need to defend dogs versus cats anymore, because Carl Rodriguez is here to take my side.
2: I didn't find the controversy in your most recent podcast, but I do agree that dogs are better than cats. Cats are just mean. Dogs love you unconditionally.
1: But Joe, don't despair, because here in a second, I'm going to play a message from John Allen Large, who gives his two tuppence on how to run hirelings and henchmen. And I think you'll find it's a pretty familiar stance.
0: Hey there, Jason. It's Johnny from the Red Dice Diaries podcast. Just been listening to your controversial episode 87. But first, to answer your question you asked previously about what to call mine and hannah's podcast we started off calling it the rdd rpg podcast to differentiate it from the previous one but because that seemed to be causing some confusion it's now called the red dice diaries rpg podcast but you can use the old name you can call it red dice diaries whatever long as you're calling and everyone's chatting about rpgs so good to me man anyway i enjoyed your episode 87 and to answer your question about which type of method I use for henchmen and hirelings in games. I pretty firmly come down under method two point five. You know where the GM role plays the henchmen. However, when you get into a combat, all of the dice rolling, etc., and the movement and combat rounds is handed over to the players. And the reason I go for this is well because they're an NPC and the GM plays all the other npcs so why wouldn't i and it stops the the player characters taking the mickey a bit with like throwing their hirelings into danger that they probably wouldn't go into not saying all players do but some certainly do but when it comes to big combat i've got enough to deal with with the monsters and all of that sort of shiz so i'm quite happy to let the players role play them because you have like morale tests and stuff like that which sort of judge whether an npc is going to stick in combat and stuff like that so it's just one less thing for me to worry about in the cut and the thrust of combat anyway as i said dude very much enjoyed the episode take care stay safe
1: thank you john i really appreciate the feedback and finally we have feedback from barry a of the gm who also wants to tell us how he handles hirelings henchmen and animal companions
2: hi jason it's barry here from shadow the gm podcast uh, just bringing in about your controversy episode where you're talking about hirelings and companions what i say that you know me i'm a second edition man so i'm no doubt on your method too i tend to run the hirelings etc to some degree less so much the animal companions but the more the way that i think i've done it is a bit of a hybrid is that the players will often tell the hirelings or say what they want the animal companions to do and then i kind of dictate whether that happens because these things have although they're sort of Hired by the characters, they do have a mind of their own, and so sometimes if they ask someone, "Can you do this?" they will complain and they will grumble. So, as a DM, tend to sort of role play the personality aspect of it. But in combat, if they tell him to do that, I'll generally let them move them, etc., unless I feel that like doesn't fit. So, I'm guessing on you two point five. head no surprise there eh, when it comes to that one. So, yeah, I just want to say that and say, yeah, yeah, good, good, good topic, good
1: conversation. And that's all I have for you this week. Thank you to all the callers. You'll find their shows in the show notes. Thank you to Ray Otis, who provided the art for this podcast. Thank you for TJ Drennan, who provided the wonderful music for this podcast. And thank you to you, the listener, because without you, well, I'd still be doing this, but it'd be a lot lonelier show. So talk to you this weekend.
0: Phone's on the phone. Maybe it's your auntie or a joke about by your spouse, but the operator's screaming it's coming from inside the house.
3: What's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? In the box? Well, the audience is pretty sure he took a pretty head, and the only question left is if that will see A I'm assuming that your partner back there in the woods, shipper Don't
1: look away, don't look away Don't look away, don't look away Well the zombies are arising and the world has gone to hell We're living for the dying and we're dying for the train wreck.